Please turn with me to the Old Testament Scriptures. Firstly, to Exodus 25. Continue our series on the tabernacle. Exodus 25. Beginning with verse 23. We come to the table of bread. Exodus 25, verse 23. Thou shalt also make a table of shittim or acacia wood. Two cubits shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. A cubit is roughly from the tip of the fingers to the the elbow, roughly 18 to 20 inches. Thou shalt overlay it with pure gold. Make there to a crown of gold round about, <clears throat> and thou shalt make unto it a border of an handbreadth, which is about three or four inches, round about, and thou shalt make a golden crown to the border thereof round about. And thou shalt make for it four rings of gold, and put the rings in the four corners that are on the four feet thereof. Over against the border shall the rings be for places of the staves, the carrying sticks, to bear the table. Thou shalt make the staves of shittim wood and overlay them with gold, that the table may be borne with them. Thou shalt make the dishes thereof and the spoons thereof and the covers, which is actually the word for pitchers or jars, and bowls thereof to cover withal. Of pure gold shalt thou make them. Thou shalt set upon the table showbread before me always. I would like us to consider one other passage. Leviticus 24. Leviticus 24. Commencing with verse 5. Verses 5 through 9. Leviticus 24, 5 through 9. And thou shalt take fine flour and bake twelve cakes thereof. Two tenth deals shall be in one cake. And thou shalt set them in two rows, six on a row, upon the pure table before the Lord. And thou shalt put pure frankincense upon each row, that it may be on the bread for a memorial, even an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Every Sabbath he shall set it in order before the Lord, continually being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. And it shall be Aaron's and his sons, and they shall eat it in the holy place. For it is most holy unto him of the offerings of the Lord, made by fire, by a perpetual statute. So we come to the table of bread or the table of showbread as uh, thank you I'm sorry this face time is not working
please excuse us in sermon audio. Well, we'll have to we'll have to pick up they'll have to pick up on FaceTime. I think that's working now. Okay, we're coming to the table of bread or the table of showbread. The word showbread is used by William Tyndale in his translation, literally the bread of the presence or the presence bread. Now from John chapter one and verse fourteen we conclude that the tabernacle was to be a, a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the types were to uh, point ahead to Him who would come to save us from our sins. He is the, the tabernacle itself. The Bible says in John 1.14 that the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. And so John interprets the Old Testament typology to be that of Christ. So we are to see Christ in the furniture, Christ in the priesthood, Christ in the offerings. Christ is to be seen. And we are to see that God was was exalting His Son as He would be in the midst, the very center of the activity of God's people. We aren't to look at this typology with, uh, with a lack of any any less of a lack of reverence or appreciation than the very body of Jesus as he came in the, in the message in the Gospels that he brought to you and me. The Lord is the light of the world. The, the lamp stand, the, the candlestick there on the south side. Uh, the Lord is the bread of life as we read together. The table on the north side. The Lord is the, the mediator between God and man. The, the altar of incense there before the veil. The veil speaks of His body that would be rent, would rip, be ripped from top to bottom. And then inside the holy place, holy of holies, the most holy place, is also a picture of Jesus. The Ark of the Covenant with the law inside. And uh, the Lord Jesus hides His law in, in His heart. And, uh, and, and uh, blood is sprinkled upon the Ark of the Covenant once a year, saying that God's law is no longer crying against our lives, but the blood has appeased the wrath of God, the condemnation of the law. So many pictures, we're never going to be, to be able to exhaust them all. But we, we come to the table of bread. And it's an interesting thing in this particular congregation because the table in front of me was made by a brother that used to be a treasurer here and he made it after the, the uh, measurements of the ark or, or the table there in Exodus. It's a little bit different but very similar. The, the length of it is exact. Uh, you've got two cubits or 36 inches, roughly three feet long. And the measurements in the, in the text would be that it would be 
uh, 27 inches wide and it would be 22 inches tall. It's a little bit taller than 22 inches and it's a little bit narrower than 27 inches wide. But And there's a couple other things that we would need to add to this. Uh, the, the Bible talks about a crown going around it and a hand breadth. So what we're looking at is is uh, something built up like this so that the fern or the uh, utensils and the bread, the plates, would not fall off the sides. So you see our diagram here. They don't have that hand breadth around the whole table. And so you can see how these pieces of bread would, would perhaps be liable to be knocked off by a priest. But also what's missing on this particular, and, and those of you who are, who are seeing this, uh, you have a, the table of showbread right here. And uh, what's also missing are the pitchers and the bowls and, and so on. And even the plates, that the, that the, the cakes, the perforated cakes, the baked cakes would sit on. Now it's interesting, I think they have it correct in our diagram. Some of the, the, the uh, cakes piled up, two rows of six going up, going vertical. But I believe that the Bible indicates that they were not piled up cakes like you would see pancakes, but they were actually spread out in two rows. And there's plenty of room on two cubits or three feet long to spread out six cakes in two rolls and even have some room in the middle perhaps if, uh, of the cakes for the pitchers. Now, it doesn't tell us why the pitchers uh, were there. Well, we know the bowls were probably there because of the frankincense that they were to put upon the cakes and uh, upon the fine flour and burn it. And then most likely the pitchers, the jars, were filled with uh, drink offerings now, uh, to, be, to be poured upon the altar of, of uh, burnt sacrifice outside the tabernacle itself. But you can understand how you could preach six messages, a whole series on the table of bread. So many details are given in these passages and I didn't read the detail in chapter 26 that it was to be placed on the north side. Now, there are people that will give you various reasons for its position and, and various interpretations of the measurements and uh, we can certainly go we, we can certainly be uh, swing the pendulum of extremes of, of very little of very little application and, and maybe too much application but Certainly there is a parallel between the Lord's table in the New Testament and the table of bread in the Old Testament. Uh, at least we see the fellowship that's involved in a table. Um, there was someone that, not just one, but I'm sure there have been many people that have, given their, have written dissertations for their PhDs on just the concept of the table. The table in society. We're talking now... The table symbolizes not just food, but fellowship. And we find, I, I heard a minister who gave a series of messages on uh, famous feasts in the Bible. And we find 
throughout the Bible, from the very beginning to the end, even to the end, the supper of the Lord, the, the uh, being being there as believers to the to the uh, um, the great supper, the uh, in 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 eternity, and it brings people together when you sit at tables. We know that from our families. What would a family be like if you didn't sit at a table? And we're we're finding. The family is starting to fracture, and one of the main means that are missing are people aren't eating together anymore. They're eating separately. They're eating out. They're they're not sitting down and talking while they're. That's what happens when you eat. It's not just about eating. It's about conversing. It's about learning what's going on in someone's life, getting to know someone, and and so uh, families are fracturing if they're not eating it together at the table. And even, you say, at work, you get together in your break room and you sit. And not everybody does this anymore, but that's how you get to know your workmates. You sit at your lunch table and you eat together and you talk about one's life. And as a believer, you witness. And the same with a church. A church, churches have dinners. Churches have tables where we sit together and we talk about the things of God and the message that we've heard and what's going on in people's lives and what can we pray about. And so a, a, a church that doesn't sit together, we sit together out around the Lord's table and that's special fellowship, but a church that doesn't regularly have these times of fellowship is a church that's not, not close. It can't be close. You can't be close if you spend one hour with God's people a week and not sit down and talk and about the things of God, about things that are going on in people's lives. So, if you will, this room where the table sat was the Lord's dining room. Think about it this way, that this, this was the Lord inviting His people to dine with Him. That's what the table's for, to dine. It speaks of fellowship. It speaks of acceptance. It speaks of the Lord wanting to commune with His people. Now, I know we can look at the table only as a picture of believers, and I think people go, they jump too quickly to think that, the, that, that it's just talking about God's people are, are uh, pictured coming to the table and so on. But we've got to step back first and see Christ. Christ as the table. Christ as the bread. Christ is pictured in all of these pieces of furniture and all of these uh, things like the, the, the oil, the, the light, the bread, the incense. We've got to see the Lord Jesus. And yes, if we see ourselves in Christ, there is application there too. But that's consequential. That's further along. The table of showbread. The word showbread means the presence bread, the bread in God's presence. And so, let me just back up a little bit. And uh, as, you look at, as you look at the table, you speak of, it speaks of God inviting people to fellowship with Him. A table, to, as it were, to sit down and commune with Him. The Lord is saying, through that sacrifice pictured by the altar of of burnt sacrifice and then the washing of the labor, come on into my room. Come on into my house. 
because the tent was there and, and the priests represent you and me and come on in. But again, Christ is to be seen first as pictured by the priest. The Father is saying that Christ is accepted. His sacrifice being made and then His blood washing us from our sins and His, his vindication of His, of his offering. And the Father is saying Christ is welcomed in here as the light of the world, as the bread of life. And so I want us to see, first of all, that this table of bread pictures Jesus in three senses. First of all, that Christ is pleasing to God. The fact that He's invited into God's dining room. That He is there in God's room to be seen by the priests. And it's saying that God accepts Christ in His room, in His, in his dining room. Secondly, that Christ is the provision for souls. He's the bread, but the priests ate the bread. And in a real sense, this was, a, this was not just the people eating. This was God eating. God fellowshipping with His Son. It was a bread not just for Christ as the picture, but as God was... as He's in the room dining. He fellowships with His Son as the Bible teaches that Jesus communes with the Father. And then thirdly, Christ is preeminent above all. They were never to change the food that was put on that table. It was always to be the same. Never change. It was to be fine flour that was baked with frankincense. And they were to change it every Sabbath. And you can obviously guess the fact that Christ is always fresh to us. Christ is always powerful in when we preach Him in His fullness and His glory. He satisfies the soul. And so you can see it's not the easiest concept to try to, 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 uh, to uh, bring these truths together in a message that will benefit us today and the rest of our lives. Lord Jesus is the bread upon the table, but He's the bread from heaven. And you know, it's, there's not, they're mixed metaphors. He's the manna that came from heaven, but He's also the bread that's provided on the table. And there's no contradiction there because we say, give us this day our daily bread, and you look at the food on your table, the bread, the meat, and you say, well, this came from the farmer, or this came from the, 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 the store, or this came from the oven that mom just baked. But we all say it's from the Lord. So the manna, yes, it was so obvious from the Lord because it appeared every morning. But the Lord is saying to us, look, this bread that's on the table is from the Lord too. It came from the Lord, whether He's the one that caused the crops to grow. He's the one that, that gave people the wisdom to be able to mix ingredients and make something. And He's the one that gives us the health to eat it. In other words... Every blessing comes from it. Every good gift comes from the Lord, from the Father of lights. And so, it's not misleading to call this message Christ the, uh, the bread from heaven, but perhaps even, even closer to call this, this message Christ the showbread, as it's called on this particular table. But there's a parallel again between this table and the Lord's table. 
that is spoken of in the New Testament. They're both concepts of the fact that God is calling us to fellowship with Him. It's not just we're eating the bread at the Lord's table. As it were, He's in our midst eating with us. Eating is a, is a, a picture of communing. Our receiving Him by faith and Him receiving our faith by His grace. So even though we don't see Jesus and He's in heaven, He's not eating literal bread, but the picture's there. It's the Lord's table. He's invited us to it. He's there. He's here. He promises to be there. You don't call someone to your table if you're not there. And so, Protestants believe that Jesus is not physically at the Lord's table. He is spiritually with us when we sit. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we eat without really understanding the Lord is here. He is here to receive our fellowship, to receive our faith, to grant to us His love and His grace. Now this table of bread was in God's front room. It was in God's dining room, if you will. And when it says that that Christ is the showbread, is this was the showbread. The wording is bread in His presence or presence bread, and you can you, you, it can be proved that the idea is that it's worthy to be in the presence of God. That's a main point. There are three other passages at least that you can turn to sometime, but. For instance, 2 Kings 25.19, it talks about men in the presence of the king. And the wording is similar. It means presence men. Men that had the privilege of being in the presence of the king. They weren't just security people. They were people, and you know, those in authority, those rulers in the world, they always have certain people around them that they privilege to be around. Whether or not it's a privilege depends on the character of the, of the individual. But the point is they always have certain people around them, especially certain uh, uh, public events. And then in Esther it talks about the same thing in chapter 1, verse 14. People in the presence of the king. And then in, in Isaiah 63, 9, it talks about the angel of God's presence. And the idea is an angel that has the privilege to be before the face of God. In other words, to receive duties and to receive messages to take from the Lord. In other words, showbread speaks of bread that's, that has the honor of being in God's presence. And isn't that speaking of Jesus? Not only as the Son of God, He was face to face with God. The Word became flesh, or the Word was... was, was uh, face to face. The Word was with God. But it speaks of Jesus as the God-man. What did the Father say at the very outset of His ministry? He's worthy to be in My presence. This is My beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So this bread speaks of a bread that's in the very presence of God. is worthy to be in God's dining room. is worthy to be in God's house. As it were, this, this tabernacle was a picture, it was God's house where God dwelt. And this table was in a room in God's house. And yes, we can certainly apply this in Christ. We're 
privileged to be in God's house. We're privileged to be in God's presence, but only because we're in Christ. If we're alone, if we're not represented by Christ, and if He's not our mediator, we have no right to call upon God as our Father. The only right we have to address God as Father is through His Son, the Lord Jesus. As He said, no man cometh to the Father but by Me. Now the priests ate the bread every every Sabbath day. And it certainly speaks of the fact that Christ satisfies. But the point is that Christ satisfies. He's the bread that satisfies the hunger of sinners. The hunger of God's people. As the priests were communing with God in this holy place, that's the picture. They're in, the, they're in this room doing God's work, sensing God's presence the whole time. But again, it's only in Christ. And the Lord Jesus is seen as being in God's presence. Oh, how He loved His Father's house. Remember in the New Testament, my Father's house is a place of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. And how can we not have thought how can you not think of prayer when you think of at least two things in that room? The frankincense when those when those cakes were burned, were baked, it went up into the air. You may have eaten some of that frankincense, but it 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 was steaming, as it were, when they first baked it, and God smelled that frankincense. And Christ is well pleasing to the Father, and the incense that was specially designed by God was burning on the altar right before the veil. So there was incense, sweet smells that were going up in that room. And this is saying of the Lord Jesus Christ, He is well-pleasing to God. And again, you continue to go from Christ to those in Christ. And the Bible speaks of us as sweet savers unto God when we preach Christ, when we live and when we reflect Him in our lives. But to the world, we are stinking odors when we bring the message of Christ. Interesting how some, some incense is sweet and some is horribly, horribly uh, disgusting. And I have to confess that being in Rome all those years, I dreaded when they brought that that what you call it, with incense burning and they would walk around the building or, or on the, on the uh, stage and that stink would go all over, the, all over the congregation. How fitting. How fitting for a dead religion to have stinking savor. But the Lord Jesus is a sweet savor. And you know, in Christ, you and I are sweet savors unto God. In that room, there was the lamp that shed light. Christ is the, is the revelation of God. But in the, what was it shedding light upon? Christ, as who He who satisfies the Father, He who is fellowship with the Father, and He who provides what we need for the salvation of our souls. That's what the picture is. The light, the, the table, and the altar. That you and I have access to God through the revelation 
and provision of the Lord Jesus Christ. That frankincense must have smelled sweet to the priests. In Christ, we have fellowship. That's what the table pictures. So it is. Let's remember as we come to the Lord's table, should be probably more than once a month, that we have fellowship with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, it's symbolic, but it should be realistic that you and I are actually communing with God when we sit down together at the Lord's table. And we take symbolically, we take the bread that symbolizes Christ's blood, body, the bread that symbolizes His body and the, the wine the fruit of the vine that symbolizes His blood, when we take that, we're saying, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ's life and death for my soul. Secondly, not only is Christ pleasing to God, worthy of being in God's presence, He is the provision for souls. It's interesting how this this bread was provided by the Israelites. And notice it was to be fine flour, which speaks of his innocence, his sinlessness, his perfection. But it was provided by the Israelites. Now that's not saying God didn't provide it. In other words, God had them provide the fine flour to show them it's for them. Just like... We don't say just because our bread was provided by the baker or provided by our parents that God didn't provide it. But God had them part of this. They're the ones that gave money for the upkeep of the temple and the tabernacle. They gave the the, the incense. They gave the, 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 the fine flour. And this fine flour, and by the way, it was bread. That speaks of common, a common staple. The Lord didn't command them to bring something that was rare, that only the rich could afford. Everybody can afford some flour. And the Lord Jesus is a Savior for all kinds of people, not just for the rich or for the specialized. The Bible calls, us, calls Christ's salvation a common salvation. And it's not... It's not derogatory to call Jesus a common Savior. Common doesn't always mean cheap. There are things that are available to the public that cost a lot, that may have cost people's lives. Building bridges that we drive over and take for granted. Some people may have lost their lives building those bridges. The the blood, sweat, and tears. Even the, the, the public water fountain. Someone had to dig the ditches and and bring the water through and and just things that are common to you and me are not cheap. And when Jesus is a common Savior, He used a common name. Jesus was a common name in those days. They could have given Him a name that was rare. But He used a common name to tell people, I save My people from their sins and I save all kinds of sinners. And this bread, the poorest of the poor ate bread every day. It's interesting if indeed it was on two rows. It was just the priest could 
divvy it out as a picture of the fact that, that of the twelve tribes of Israel. It speaks of the fact that Jesus came to save His people from their sins. He's the bread that was given by the Father to save His people. We read together, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no way cast out. Easily available to distribute. We can't miss this. And it's not insignificant. What was done to the bread, brother and sister? What was done to the bread? It was baked. It was baked. It wasn't raw. Jesus died for our sins. The only way that you and I can benefit from the coming of Christ is that He would have to be baked, as it were. He would have to be burned he would have to be cooked as or he would have to suffer for our sins. Don't look at this as a small detail, an insignificant or or an insignificant detail. The Father is teaching us in so many ways the fact that his son had to suffer for our sins. And again, it's God providing his son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Given by God. The priests then would eat this bread. And you wonder if they would say, in a sense, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are they that trust in Him. Taking this bread and eating it, picture is the Lord will not suffer the righteous, the soul of the righteous to famish. He provides a table in the wilderness, literally, didn't He? They were in the wilderness. And this table was in the wilderness. And the priest eating it was a picture. They are representing the people of God that they are taking care of. But again, see, Christ is a priest. Christ saw the travail of his soul and was satisfied. Christ saw the results of his death and he said, it is good. Just like when God created the things that he did in creation week, what did he say after each creation, after each thing that he made? It was all very good. And what did Jesus say after he was crucified and rose from the dead as he looked back, he looks back upon it? What does he say to you and me? What does God say? It is good. It is very good that Jesus died for you and me. We are saved by eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And that sounds horrible to the natural man, but that's exactly what Jesus said in the very chapter that you and I read. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And of course, the natural man sees cannibalism and it's, it's offensive to him. But the spiritual man sees Christ as indicated by that. Except I believe on Him with all my heart and love Him. I have no life in me. It must be through faith in Christ alone. So salvation is taking Christ. But every day, this bread did not sit there forever. It was replaced every Sabbath day. It is an indication. Every Sabbath, the Lord's day, 
That speaks of our sanctification. We're not only saved by Him, we are we live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So the fact that they continue to eat this bread and replace it, Christ is always fresh. His message is always saving, is always strengthening. The Bible is the living, powerful Word of God. It's the living Word that's the theme. We love the Scriptures because it's the Word of the living God and because it's the theme is His Son. His Son who gave Himself for us. And so Christ is pleasing to God and He's, he's the provision for souls. And thirdly, He's preeminent above all. Notice that it mentions that this is to be an everlasting covenant and then it says also a perpetual statute. What is he saying? The, the instructions here, but particularly the food on the table. Don't change it. It's the same. Fine flour baked with frankincense. Over and over. You dare change this food. Then you, then you preach another gospel. You point to people a different way to heaven. What did Paul say? Even if an angel from heaven preach any other gospel, let him be accursed. And so Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the new and the living way. He's freshly preached every Sabbath day. At the Lord's table, what does He say? Do this in remembrance of Me. He's like He's saying... Study this in remembrance of Me. The table, you should think of Me. The light, you should think of Me. You should think of Me in the furniture and the priesthood and the offerings. How often we forget the Lord, don't we? Days without number. We preach ourselves and not Christ Jesus. Every Sabbath day is the Lord's table so we anticipate our resurrection. We anticipate the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And isn't it interesting that we, as it's changed every Sabbath, we preach Christ on His day. Not I, but Christ. Be honored, loved, and adored. And how did they take the table into the wilderness as they went from one place to another? You notice there were rings. And by the way, there's also the language that there was a rim around probably the upper half of the table for stability. We don't carry this all the time, but the stability here is the sides. But, but if you read the language in Exodus and Leviticus, there was probably a, a rim of, of, uh, of wood that was some, about three quarters of the way up so that when they carried it, obviously it was not only for stability, but the gravity issue was appropriate. It wouldn't topple over. It wasn't top-heavy so much. But the point is, there were rings at the top of the legs. And they, they kept the staves. Uh, well, they removed them probably in the, in the holy place. They, they, they didn't remove the staves in the Ark of the Covenant. But they carried the table. Was that a picture of brother and sister? We lift up Christ. And as the priests were walking, the certain priests were walking with these pieces of furniture, people could see these symbols of Christ being 
lifted up above the heads, as it were, of the people. Christ exalted above all. What do we do? Preach Christ Jesus, our Lord. He is God's pleasure. He's God's provision. He's God's preeminent King and Lord. May we reflect that in our lives, that we point people to Jesus. It is Jesus who received the Father's favor to save us from our sins. It's Jesus who provides our salvation. He is the way, the truth, and the life. It's Jesus who is the the church's King, our Lord, and our Master. He is royalty, this crown around the table, and the hand-breath crown pictured, again, royalty that was part of the symbol of the table as the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our protector, the handbreadth to protect the bread from falling off the table. Our Savior protects His people. The twelve cakes pictured the twelve tribes of Israel. How the Lord secures us. He is the sinless, spotless Lamb the fine flour. It was the bread of the memorial. It points to God's covenant grace to save us from our sins. The Lord Jesus is the bread from heaven. The bread of life that satisfies the hungry soul. Are you hungry for salvation? Are you you burdened to have your sins removed? Do you not want the promise of eternal life? Are you not weary and heavy laden because of your sin and the world's wickedness. Come to Christ. All who come unto Him, He will in no way cast out. He satisfies the longing soul. None but Christ can satisfy. None other name but Him for me. There's love and life and everlasting joy found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, who is... Who is a God like unto thee? To whom shall we go? For thou hast the words, and thou art our eternal life. Oh, that we would delight in thee. Forgive us, Lord, where we have sought to delight in broken cisterns and dirty water of this world. Forgive our sins. Forgive us, Lord, that we have not come to this table, that we have not fellowship with thee, that we have not taken thee by faith, that we have not tasted and and eaten and, and we have not drunk from the living waters. Lord Jesus, we need Thee. We need Thee. We are dependent upon Thee. I pray that You would commune with us, Lord. You said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Lord, how often we've heard the knock and we ignore it. We are so far from the door, we we don't even hear the knock. Lord, we pray that we would commune with You more often. And I pray that as a church that we would commune with one another as the people of God, communing in Christ, preparing for eternity, growing in grace and the knowledge of the Savior. Lord Jesus, please work in us that which is well-pleasing to You. Cause us all to be more like Thee, to prepare for the day when 
the marriage supper of the Lamb, when we shall sit at Thy table and feast with You forever. We pray this in Your name. Amen.